You're listening to your Dental Top 5 podcast with Amanda Hill, informing you on the top trends in dentistry every Thursday. Brought to you by the creators of A Tale of Two Hygienists podcast. And now, here's your host, Amanda Hill. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Your Dental Top 5, where we take trending topics in dentistry and break them down into five usable highlights that you can take back to your op, your life, or just look smarter at your next dinner party. I'm your host, Amanda Hill. So we are at the top of the month, and we all now know that at the top of the month, I get to do my own top five, which I love because, you know, I'm kind of into top fives. So this month's top five for August, the things I'm into, number one, conventions. So I'm recording this prior to Under One Roof, but I will have just come back from Under One Roof. So I will have gone to ADHA and Under One Roof. And I got to go to live conventions again and see real people and hug people and learn from people. And ah, conventions. I love you. Thank you for coming back. Uh, The next thing I'm super into is uh, garden fresh vegetables. My husband thinks that he's a farmer in our little backyard and he keeps bringing in vegetables and it's really delicious. It's amazing to just like eat squash from your backyard. It's super cool. Uh, the third thing I'm super into is the Waterpick Sonic Fusion toothbrush. That thing that like you brush your teeth and it shoots out water at the same time, which is a little weird in the beginning and it takes you a hot second to get used to it because you got to put your head over the sink because the water has to flow out. But it's really awesome uh, and and it's you should try it if you haven't. Go get a Waterpick Lunch and Learn or something. I'm sure there's somebody in your area. Uh, the fourth thing I'm super into, okay, August is hot, right? It's summertime and it's hot. And I'm super glad that I have a twice as nice scrub jacket and uh, scrub cap because they're temperature controlling um, and they feel good and they look good and I don't get overheated because the thermostat wars are hot. Uh, And then the fifth thing I'm super into is block scheduling. So when I'm uh, at home and I'm trying to juggle the the podcast and writing and dental posts and all the things I had to do, I've started to block schedule. So I only work on one thing at a time as opposed to 45 things at a time. And I'm way more productive. So if you have that problem, I would highly recommend you try block scheduling, just like your hygiene schedule, but you do it at home. It's super cool. All right, now let's launch into the, today's episode. So today's episode is a long time coming. And I have been talking to this guest over Facebook for a really long time because I read one of her articles and it was so awesome. I had to reach out to her and then she reached out back to me and said she loved my articles. And anyway, now we're best friends and this is the first time we've ever had a conversation via Zoom and we might have talked for an hour and 15 minutes prior to recording this podcast. But anyway, today's episode is the top five ways to approach life after graduation. So all you new grads out there that are getting ready, your licenses are coming in. I remember I started in August. Um, these are some great tips for you to like just set the world on fire and start, start your life. And so to bring, to talk about that, I've brought on an expert and my new best friend, Julie Whiteley, RDHBS, to talk to us about this. So Julie, thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Well, I'm glad that we're best friends now. So, uh, you know, I'll send you the necklace. Do you want the beef fry part or the STNs part? You know, I'm kind of more of a fry girl. So if I could okay, be beef okay. fry, I would love that. I'll be that. the street ends girl. Good. Okay, besties, for sure. So now, Julie, what, what makes this topic? I mean, you write about all sorts of awesome stuff. By the way, if you haven't read Julie's stuff, just Google her name and you can read amazing articles by Julie. But Thank you. what makes this topic about graduation, what makes this near and dear to your heart? Um, I think one of the things that has certainly resonated with me is over the last 15 years, I've taught clinical hygiene. So in the world we live in, I've been able to stay in very, 
you know, pretty close contact with students that have graduated. And I see that people's struggles are the same. And what I didn't know, because I'm old enough that there wasn't a lot of, you know, social media and connecting as easily when I graduated, I thought I was the only person that got out of hygiene school and felt like, oh no, these people should not be letting me loose in an operatory because I don't think I even know what I'm doing. This is a nightmare. I thought I was the only one. And then what I realized over the years is that this is normal and hold on to your shorts, but it's expected. This is where you are right now, that panic, that like sour belly of like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. You're supposed to be here right now. And I think it's just so important to know that because when you know it, you can embrace it and say, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be and it's all right. And what kinds of things can I do to kind of keep progressing my way along so that, you know, I don't feel like I want to throw up in the barrel every time I have to see a pitch. <laughs> I could not agree more. I remember my first couple months in clinical hygiene and I was like, oh, crap, I picked the wrong profession. And I went right back and started taking grad school classes. I was like, this is wrong. I shouldn't have done this. And then I got through that first six months and I was like, oh, wait, this is awesome. And maybe I know what I'm doing. Yeah, but yeah, it exactly. took a hot minute. It definitely does. So yeah. And there still have days where I'm like, crap, I don't know what I'm doing. So you mm-hmm. know. for sure. And to me, that's a good thing. That crap, I don't know what I'm doing means you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is lifelong learning. We don't live somewhere where you're, you get to the end of the line and you're just done. There's always something to learn. There's always another way to develop. And I love to know what other people are doing because it's like, hey, like you get a medley of greatest hits. You sort of pick little bits and pieces. So if you don't occasionally have that like feeling, you're not growing. Um, And to me, growth is part of what has kept me as excited about being in dentistry as I was when I chose this career over 20 years ago. Absolutely. It's, you know, my other best friend, Brene Brown. Oh, she's my best friend. Is she? Oh, good. Okay, good. So uh, she always talks about always being a learner and never being a knower. And Mm -hmm. that's really something that, you know, I strive really hard to to just remain in that learning space, which is one of the reasons why I love podcasting, because I get to talk to awesome people like you and get to keep learning and we get to ping off of each other and and grow all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's launch into the top five ways to approach life after graduation. What's number one? Number one is you are at the beginning of another steep learning curve. So wait, I don't know it all. I just finished school. I'm going to tell you a big secret. When you graduate from a school, no matter what the school is and no matter what type of hygiene program you went to, the goal is to get you so that you are at a basic level of competency. Now, I don't know about you, but most of us don't strive for basic as our end point. Yeah, that's not like the ultimate career goals. I just want to be kind of basic. Uh, You're at the very beginning. They got you to a place where you know a lot. You learned a lot. You came from something that was rather, I'm going to use the word grueling. Hygiene school is not for the weak uh, by any stretch of the imagination. You go through a lot of Kleenex, uh, (laughs) a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And you think, or at least I did, that once, okay, I graduated, I got my license, okay, it's going to be easy. It's not, and it's okay. Um, There's a whole phenomenon. Um, It was actually industrial engineers that came up with this concept in the 1980s. Um, They were brothers, and they came up with this five-stage model of skill acquisition. And they talked about how when you're doing any kind of skill learning, 
it's all situational and experience-based. So you need the baseline of, I went to school, I got all the didactic classes, I got clinical experience under the guidance of faculty, and I've kind of got this basic framework. And now what I need is situational experiences to continue to build on that ladder. Um, and they ended up adapting this to all kinds of health sciences. So nursing has done a lot with this five-stage you know, growth pattern. And just know that you're at the beginning. But I used to panic and think like every patient that sits in this chair is seeing right through right now that they got like the kid that just rolled off the back of the tomato truck. Patients don't know that. Um, they do not know that. And no matter where you feel like you are, you're always going to know a little bit more than they do. And chances are a lot more than they do. So just be comfortable where you are and know that it's where you belong and stay on that path of curiosity and learning from every experience that you have. Absolutely. Oh, that's so good. All right. Well, what's number two? Number two is don't forget what you learned in school. Um, school teaches you how to practice at a level of excellence. You learn all about the standards of care and how to really deliver high quality care, but you're doing it in kind of a perfect world environment, um, you know, where it's like, okay, oh, you're a profi. Okay, you're going to have four, four hour appointments four hours. for me yeah, to kind of synthesize. Good. That's not the world you're going to live in. So what you have to kind of do is you find a way to adapt to the situation you're in, but not forgetting how to be a top-notch clinician. And for me, a lot of that was just being prepared. Um, I used to set time goals for every patient. So I would kind of get in early or do it the night before and look at who I had on the schedule and what was going to happen in that appointment. And I would break out my appointment time in minutes. It's like, okay, I want to be at this point by this time, this point at this time. And I would keep a little piece of paper on the counter that nobody but me could see. And it just kind of kept me on track. I would be prepared. I would know who was coming, what was happening, so that I didn't have to, like, you know, look at a medical history from scratch, real time while the patient's sitting in the chair. I had a minute, so if I had to look drugs up or whatever the case might be, I was doing it ahead of time. Um, and I also found I could use my time well when I had a systematic approach. So I would get everything set up. I'd have all my trays and all my supplies and everything all stacked and good to go. Um, and you just get, you know, you show yourself some grace and you do the best you can. And as much as I want people to remember, to remember how good you were in school and to kind of keep that as your guiding beacon, don't solely rely on what you learned in school. Don't be like, but I learned, open your mind because we are in a world and we are in a profession where things change all the time. We're in a science-based profession. There are new ways to do things. There are new treatment modalities. There are new studies. There's research. Don't go back to just, well, that's what I learned. We live in a world where there's information everywhere. So just arm yourself with information and always stay current. Absolutely. And there's plenty of technology that probably your school didn't even necessarily have the funds to have. You might have never tried guidobiofilm therapy. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. If you've never tried it, you mm -hmm. totally should. But your school might not have ever introduced that to you. So yeah, be open-minded. And I would also say, but remember all the good infection control things that you know, because when you go into a practice, they might not be doing all the infection control things that they should be doing. And you can gently, gently guide them to doing the right things. Gently. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
All right, what's number three? Number three is know your rights and know your responsibilities. So I think it's really important for you to be familiar with your State Practice Act. What can and can't you do? Don't rely on somebody else to tell you that because at the end of the day, if something goes wrong, it's you who's ultimately responsible. I will never forget the time where the dentist asked me to adjust occlusion. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't do that. Because you, you knew, you looked ahead, you kind of said, okay, I know that's not in my scope of practice. And no matter what you're telling me, what kind of blessing you're giving me, I can't do that. It's something I can't do. And if you want me to do it, let's, let's go to the state legislator and help me fight for that right. Exactly. Exactly. So know, know those things. Uh, know things about like the Department of Labor. Know when you should get paid when it's not necessarily, you know, something might be happening in the office that might not necessarily be as legal as it should be from an employment standpoint, know your rights and know how to find that information. Same thing with OSHA and HIPAA. Know what you're responsible for. Know that like, wait a second, something's happening in here. Um, When I first started working in dentistry, I worked for, he he was a nice man, but it was an older office and he had the, you know, the ultrasonic cleaner for the instruments and it wasn't in a grounded outlet and I'm like okay it's a bucket full of water by the sink and I'm going to get electrocuted if I go touch that thing um those are things you shouldn't be afraid to politely speak up on and say you know what I'm just a little concerned and you know is there a way you can maybe ground the outlet so that I don't get electrocuted because my mother's probably going to be pretty upset with you if I end up with you know electrical burns in here or whatever the case might be. Just saying, just saying. Exactly, exactly. Um, and the important thing is, is when you know something might not be right, because now you know, you know, you know, Department of Labor information, you know, OSHA information, you know, your State Practice Act, advocate for yourself in a way that's professional, calm, and with evidence. So you don't come like barreling in somewhere going, that's illegal. Uh, sometimes, I read on Facebook that it's illegal. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes things are illegal. Sometimes people don't realize things are illegal. And even if they do, you don't really get anywhere that way. So the important thing is, is you calmly and professionally advocate for yourself and you always bring solid evidence from a reliable source. And luckily, part of any good dental hygiene program is that we all learn how to do research and how to find good sources. And that's a skill that will serve you well for the rest of your life. Yeah, I'll plug I'll plug OSAP here for anything infection control yeah. or OSHA related. Join OSAP, it's super cheap. And they're a great resource of that. Absolutely, definitely, yeah. definitely. And then of course, any hiring article by Ann Guion is a good one too. <laughs> Excellent, very good point. She, she's done all the research. She definitely has. Yes. Um, How about number four? Number four is find your tribe. Um, uh, you know, we were... We talked about how we're best friends. I have met some of the coolest, most amazing people in my life in dentistry. And when I think about what I've learned from those people and the opportunities that has come from that relationship, those relationships, it's invaluable. I cannot stress enough, find your people, whether it's people that you work with, maybe it's former people that you went to school with, maybe you join a study club, maybe you join your state association, whatever the case might be, find your people, even social media. I met many cool people in dental hygiene groups. Um, And not only have I continued to learn, but so many opportunities that have come my way have come by just lots of good networking and knowing different people. Um, I think the other thing that I find is when you find your like-minded tribe, it keeps you energized. Um, you can 
associate with lots of different kinds of people, but when your tribe are people that don't like their job, energy is contagious, um, whether it's good energy or bad energy. So if you want to like what you do and you want to say, you know, you, you look back and you say, I went through a whole lot to get this RDH after my name and I want to like my career, find the energy, um, find, because everybody's journey is different. Um, so you just want to make sure you're, you, you don't focus on the negative that you find people who are positive, who will lift you up and keep you energized in this career for the long haul. Cause it is absolutely doable. Absolutely. Cause you can go down that rabbit hole of the Facebook rants. Mm-hmm. There's even a Facebook group called that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can hang out there and then you can kind of end up in this sort of woe is me world, or you can, or you can you know, find that, that tribe of like-minded people that really help you remain excited and engaged and curious about how cool our profession is. That's the thing that saved my entire career was, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, started dental hygiene, didn't think I liked it, found a study club and met other older hygienists who said, oh my gosh, no, this is, this is the beginning. This is how it feels in the beginning. You're fine. We got you. And we stayed together. And, and that was what, kept me in it. So yeah, absolutely. Reach out and find some people. Julie and I will be your friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, we were talking before we started recording today about how anytime either one of us puts anything out there, we do it with the intention is that we want to help somebody else in this community. Um, So I am happy to be a resource for questions, concerns, or if you just need like a mentor, a spirit guide along the way, I am happy to do it. Absolutely. Okay, well, what's number five? Number five is get comfortable with your communication skills. Um, Hmm, Should I be passive aggressive and never say anything to anybody? And (laughs) (laughs) it's funny that you say that because I often use this expression to people when they say like, you know, my patient was difficult, so I decided to just shut down and not talk to them. And I would say, you know, sometimes it's so much easier to hold a conversation than it is to hold resentment because then you just you just want to strangle the person. Every time you see their name on your schedule, you got like a wedgie thinking about like, oh my God, I got to sit and I got to deal with this person. Whereas sometimes if you just hold a conversation and you kind of find your own style and your own voice, it's going to help you with patients. It's going to help you with colleagues. It's going to help you with your boss. It's invaluable. And what I figured out with patients is if you learn how to read the room and you learn how to connect with people in a way that's meaningful and impactful for them, it makes your job a whole heck of a lot easier and a lot more fun. A lot more fun. And don't be afraid. I was scared of people at first. I didn't want to tell anyone they had anything, you know, bad, like, you know, oh, I don't want to tell you, you have gum disease. You know, so you'd be in like a bloodbath and the patient would be like, how's it looking in there? And you're like, oh, well, you know, there's a little tiny bit of bleeding. Meanwhile, you're like, oh, my God, like, I need gauze. I need <laughs> somebody help. Um, what I would say is, you know, you you got to find comfort in telling people the truth and in, in whatever it is that they need to hear. And you need to not be afraid of the persnickety. Um, anytime somebody was kind of salty or short, um, I used to take it as well. I don't think they like me very much. So I'm just going to be quiet. Over the years, I've learned a lot of people come to dentistry, probably more so than anywhere else with all kinds of baggage. They either have fear, anxiety, they're afraid you're going to tell them that they need something that costs money. So sometimes the person that presents is the prickliest pair. If you can figure out how to better work with that patient and just communicate out of a level of curiosity of nothing else, 
I can guarantee you're going to find out some information that's probably going to make that patient one of your favorite patients. Um, I find often some of the most uh, persnickety, I guess is the word I would use. That's a good word. Became some of my favorites. Just with, Absolutely. With, I totally agree. Yeah. With simple questions, you don't have to be a psychologist, but you can just say, you know what? It looks like you're, you're really uncomfortable when you're here. Is there something about me or something that I'm doing that maybe we could make this appointment a little easier for you? Something that simple. Sometimes somebody's like, oh, geez, no, it's not you. It's me. I'm, you know, I, I just came from a really bad meeting at work or I'm really stressed out just because I don't really like being at the dentist and it would help me if we, you know, if you kind of talked me through it a little bit or you didn't talk me through it, whatever it might be. Um, but I have found communication skills and curiosity, I think, is one of the biggest things that I have loved about the last 20 years of this world of dentistry, for sure. I could not agree more. I tell you, curiosity is definitely my thing. So, um, all right, well, let's review your top five. So sure. the top five ways to approach life after graduation. Frankly, I just think this is the top five ways to approach life for everybody. I know. Um, it's only the beginning. Embrace it. Number two is don't forget what you learned in school. Number three is know your rights and responsibilities. Number four is find your tribe. And number Five is communication skills. Well, Julie, this has been such a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this for months because we've Thank had you. this on the schedule. Thank Me you too. for coming on. Thank you so, so much. If people want to reach out to you because they want to be your best friend like we're best friends, how can they find you? They can find me at, uh, you can email me at Julie, J-U-L-I-E, C as in cat, dot, whitely, and it's spelled white like the color, L-E-Y, at gmail.com, or you can find me on Facebook. Under That's how Julie I Whiteley. <laughs> so. She'll respond to you. Exactly. And if you want to read any of the articles that Amanda had talked about, if you Google me, I, um, I will show up under Dentistry IQ and RDH Magazine and RDH Graduate. Perfect. Well, everybody, we all know that only four out of five dentists could agree. So if you have something to add to this top five or you have an idea for a whole nother top five, email me at amandahillrdh at gmail.com and we'll be sure to include your dental top five. Make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Your Dental Top 5. Be sure to join us next Thursday to hear more from Amanda. 